so they studied people's fighting styles. I'm a fan of Tiger Crane style myself. It's going to make the same joke. <laughs> if you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the multi Podcast. On this episode of the Multi Amory Podcast, we're talking about the science of happy relationships. Yeah, we have all kinds of stits and stats for you guys. Yes, you know we love our and stits I, and stats. I do want to thank the lovely Joshua, my partner, who sent us an infographic that kind of got the ball rolling with this whole thing. And um, in the notes for this episode, we'll definitely put a link to the infographic there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's this awesome infographic on the site Happify, which I was not familiar with. Um, however, oh, yeah. was this I. infographic is fantastic. And I think my favorite part is that at the bottom of the infographic, they include all of their references. Which yeah. is nice because you see really a lot nice. of infographics yeah. out there that just like, give these whatever, statistics. Just pull this out of just, our ass, yeah. like just believe us. Yeah, <laughs> be distracted by pretty graphics. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I anyway, mean, I but, was. <laughs> but reading this infographic really inspired us to talk about, um, I guess, just the things that are scientifically proven, and I mean. Mixing I don't science. Know if we can actually use the well, word. I was going to say, but so, like mixing science with like something squishy, like emotions and, and romance and things that are like so fallible on this human level is a little mm-hmm. bit hard. But these are things that have been studied by research institutes, yeah. and they've made an attempt at kind of trying to figure out what are the trends in happy relationships. Like, mm-hmm. what are the practices? What are the behaviors that happen in happy relationships? Yes. But we will say that this infographic is mostly studying traditional couples. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, there's probably... Well, we may eventually be talking to someone who has done some research on Mm -hmm. polyamorous couples Mm -hmm. or polyamory in general. But this is going to obviously delve more into just relationships in general, I guess. Um, But we... Yeah, we were talking about the potential for what this would mean for polyamory and multiple yeah. relationships yeah. at yeah. once. I mean, I, what I do like about the information that they present here is that um, a lot of articles or research studies about like happy couples or healthy relationships will often tie in this whole thing about fidelity and, and faithfulness. And mm-hmm. I get from traditional values, of course, if you're faithful, you're probably it's probably going to be a healthier relationship from a traditional standpoint. However, the information that we're presenting in this episode has to do more with things like communication, with sexual practices, with the way that you, you know, support your partner, things like that. Things that can apply the way that to you fight. Yes, the way that you fight, the things that can apply to any two-person relationship regardless mm-hmm. of whether it's monogamous or not. And we've actually been talking about some of these things in the way that they apply to our three-person relationship doing this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So even taking it outside the realm of specifically like a romantic and sexual relationship, uh, which is, you know, more what it's geared toward. And that's what Mm -hmm. most of the research is about is relationships that are both romantic and sexual, because that is, you know, by our culture and unfortunately still by a lot of science is treated as the default that everyone should assume that they Mm -hmm. want. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. But still, 
Right, but even then, taking a lot of these ideas and things and looking at them, even in how they show up in our professional relationship with the three of us, uh, is it's definitely enlightening. It's like, oh, wow, cool. Like, we mm-hmm. do that thing. That's great. You know, or, oh, okay, we need to keep this one in mind in or our, whatever in it our is. three-person podcast baby co-parenting relationship, you mean? Well, exactly. and not only that, but our three-person uh, emotional triad that we've had yeah. for years yes. and years and years. So. Exactly. Okay, so let's hop into this. So the first thing we want to address is communication and interaction. So the ways that... People in happier relationships, healthier relationships, communicate with each other and interact with each other. And there's really, really interesting things, particularly about ratios of interactions. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and this reminded me of Gracie X's thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. yeah the lovely and wonderful Gracie X talking about the dopamine versus cortisol ratio. Um, And how, yeah, and I thought that this delved right into that because this is saying that a happy couple has five positive interactions for every negative one. Right. And that unhappy couples tend to have 0.8 happy encounters for every one negative interaction. Right. So, with, you know, essentially meaning more negative interactions than positive ones, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was I was trying to, to do the math on this. I also think it's weird that they did their ratios this way. But anyway, so if it's five to one, that's essentially a little less than 20% of your interactions are or negative, negative. right? Mm-hmm. So over 80%. And I, if I recall, I think Gracie X's ratio was 80%. It was like 80-20. Yeah, it was like, 80% positive yeah. and 20%, you know, stressful negative feelings in terms of a relationship. That was her criteria for, you know, what was something she would accept in a relationship. Uh, so so this, this is, is interesting that it's, that it's very close. Yeah, not exactly yeah. the same, but it's but it's close. I think the more interesting part of this is is the unhappy relationships, like the 0.8 like positive encounters to the one negative encounter, because it's all like it's almost a one to one. It's mm-hmm. almost a one to one, as in for every positive interaction, you have a negative interaction. And I think that actually maybe there's a clue there as to why people have such a hard time leaving bad relationships is because you can kind of end up feeling like, well, 50% of the time, or close to 50% uh, of the time, it actually feels okay. But then 50% of the time, it's not okay. Right. And so it's... And then it's, we think maybe that's an acceptable ratio. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like maybe with confirmation bias, if we really want to hang on to a relationship, we're so focused on trying to focus on that 50% of the time where it's positive. Yeah. And not realizing like, hey, actually, like even like that 50% negativity helps to cancel that out, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. is interesting. Cause I think a lot of people are waiting for it to feel like it's, you know, more of the time is negative than positive. Yeah, that's true. Well, we've, I've, we've talked before way long ago on our breakup episodes, um, about this thing of people will say like, I'm not very happy in this relationship, but I don't have a good enough reason to break up Yeah, as if our default state, is in a couple and so it has to be so bad to be enough yeah. of a reason to get out rather than your default state just being you mm. and if it's like oh this isn't great so i'm gonna get out of this mm-hmm. like that we do have this i don't know if it's just a cultural thing or if it's even deeper than that and some kind of fear of being alone or something that i do think makes a lot of people myself included hang on to 
negative relationships yeah, a lot longer totally. than might be healthy. Totally. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep moving us along because we have sure. a lot of information yeah. to get through. Um, For sure. So something else that they cite here is that the de- determining factor in whether couples feel satisfied with a sex, romance, and passion in their marriage is by 70%, the quality of their friendship with each other. Mm-hmm. So the better of a friendship that you have with a romantic partner, the better you're going to feel about all those other things that we typically associate with a romantic relationship. Yeah. And so, you do hear that thing, like, my wife is my best friend, or my girlfriend is my best friend, or mm-hmm. whatever. And I yeah. guess there is some science to that. Yeah, well, I also, like, if I can, again, get on my sort of relationship anarchy slash multi-amory soapbox here. The well-worn soapbox. The well-worn soapbox is <laughs> this, I- apart, but yeah. this idea that that you know we're taught to make this distinction between romantic and sexual relationships and friendships as if those are different things. Mm. Yet seeing here the friendship is is like the important the part important like the part most important part is much more important than the romantic or sexual component in terms of the actual happiness there by 70%. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I just think this this idea of approaching romantic relationships and friendships differently from each other it just this is just another indicator to me of like how how not actually useful that way of looking at relationships is. And yeah, I think it makes sense sure. because I think that if you do have actually a strong friendship with somebody who's your romantic partner, I think that makes it so much easier for getting through the times when maybe you're not feeling so sexual or romantic with this person, mm, sure. which happens to everybody. You know, sometimes yeah. that comes and goes in waves that you'll go through periods of not feeling very sexual or maybe not even very romantic or very passionate. But if that friendship is still there, then that doesn't mean the entire relationship crumbles, which I think happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think something we've talked about in the past is the ability to give your partner the benefit of the doubt once in a while, like, like we do our friends. friends. Yeah. Exactly. And so maybe if you if you see your partner in you know some of the same light as you do your friends, you're able to say like, well, maybe they're just kind of having a shitty day. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why they're being kind of shitty right now, and not take it so personally or take it to heart so much. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the other one is that it's really important for, you know, if you want a happier, healthier relationship, it's obviously important to cultivate a lot of positive interactions. So now you know what the ratio is. Um, <laughs> right, this is your goal. It shows that, like, you need to be working overtime on making sure that you have at least five positive interactions to every one negative one, and not that you need to be doing math in your head. Um, but, but I think it means that you do need to be constantly putting an effort towards crafting and cultivating your relationship and it doesn't need to be huge things you know uh, this particular infographic suggests really simple things like giving your partner a compliment showing your appreciation for them in some way uh, reliving a fun memory together um, or doing something for them and of course this is a great space where love languages come into play yeah. you know figuring out what your partner's love language is if it's gifts it means buying them a thoughtful gift if it's acts of service it means you know going out of your way to do something for them do some kind of task for them um, so definitely you know have those conversations with your partner about love languages you can go to the love languages website take the quiz figure out what your love language mm-hmm. is or you can just listen to our episode about it yeah um, <laughs> exactly in which we also direct you to the website to take yeah. the quiz yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, but have your partners do the same thing so that you know what you're dealing with with them as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Sweet. So, so the next topic to talk about here is sex. Sexy sex. Sexy sex. Sexy sex. 
so, like we were saying, you know, I, I like that friendship is this most important foundation. But for people who are sexual, uh, which is the majority of people, uh, it is an important factor in happiness in a relationship. And what this particular study is saying is that having sex two to three times a week leads to the happiest relationships. Mm-hmm. So we had some questions about this one. Yeah, I would really love to see this studied more because right. obviously when you're in a, a multi-partner relationship mm-hmm. and you're not just having sex with one person, uh, how does this still apply? Is it like right. if you as an individual have sex two to three times a week and each time is with someone different who you also have like an intense, deeply bonded mm-hmm. relationship with that is the same amount of happiness? Is it like if just you as an individual are having sex two to three times a week just regardless of who right. it's That's with. my question. Um, is, is it is two it the to three times itself that makes you feel better? Or? Per relationship that makes them happy? Or is it just as a person having sex two to three times a week, you'll be happier across the board? Mm-hmm. But it does say that the once a week boost, even having sex once a week, makes people 44% more likely to have positive feelings. Mm-hmm. Again, that's the question of whether or not that's per relationship or just period. But right. I, I mean, I'd argue like if you're seeing someone once a week and having sex with them when you see them, then you're probably going to be cultivating those positive feelings for them. Right. And yeah. again, it's that, you know, something that. You know, lots of people have talked about in terms of having multiple relationships in non-monogamy is this idea that, you know, by having this new, exciting, invigorating sex with someone else, it also reinvigorates my existing relationship. Absolutely. And just, you know, that's something that hasn't been studied. That's all just kind of anecdotal, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, people say, oh, I've observed this. But I am curious if having that kind of sex or even having other kinds of casual sex or even things like cuddle parties that's just touch that might not even specifically be sex i'm really curious how those things would also play into happiness but i do think that overall we can take away that being physical is important Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, definitely definitely Uh, so let's move on to responding to your partner's triumphs Mm. and so of course this immediately evokes our all of our discussions around compersion the big old famous polyamory pr phrase (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so this infographic is interesting because it talks about the the um like a really crucial factor in a healthy relationship is the way that you celebrate your partner's good news and that Healthy relationships, people demonstrated things like showing enthusiasm for the other partner. They would ask questions about their experience. They would congratulate their partner and they would relive the experience with them. Um, And so from a traditional standpoint, it could be something like your partner gets promoted at work or, I don't know, some other kind of personal victory. Maybe they like... Ah, Maybe they successfully asked someone out on a date. Well, yeah. So that's that's the thing is if we're kind of looking into multi-partner relationships, obviously this can be different. Like we're kind of getting into this realm of things that people are not used to being happy about for their partner. But yeah, I mean, if somebody, for instance, has sex for the first time with a new person or says, I love you for the first time, then yeah, cultivating that, you know, compersion or just continuing to kind of celebrate those triumphs with your partner, I think that obviously is going to be a really good thing and, and definitely like making a relationship better. 
it's definitely something that not a lot of these would study. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. No, no, no. Definitely. And I think <laughs> we got to get our own study. <laughs> an important takeaway here, especially for somebody who maybe you haven't like organically experienced compersion yet, like maybe wrapping your head around your partner going on a first date or having a good time or having first sex with somebody like that's still a little bit mm-hmm. wibbly for you. Um, or like still feels a little awkward for you. I found in my personal experience, sometimes um, fake it till you make it actually works out really well. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. maybe you can't like jump for joy if your partner comes home and is like, oh yeah, I had sex with this person for the first time. Like maybe you're not going to be the one like cheering and hollering and clapping and giving a high five. Maybe you will be and that's great. Um, but doing simple things like just asking questions or congratulating or, you know, just showing that giving at least a show that that this is a positive thing and that you want your partner to feel supported in this, even if you're not just like effervescent, jump bouncing off the walls, you know, <laughs> but even just these little things of, of supporting your partner's victories can really go a long way. Yeah, because at the bottom of this, it says in one study, people who did this three times a day for one week increased their happiness and felt less depressed afterwards. So I guess that goes along like it's really helping out the person who's doing it, not just mm-hmm. your relationship, but the person yeah. who does the act mm-hmm. to feel better and less depressed. Because yeah. you're, you're, you know, reveling in someone else's happiness, and that can help you as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the um, when I was last on retreat with uh, the good old Buddhist nuns that I like going on retreat with, um, <laughs> there's actually a Buddhist concept called mudita, which I, I thought was just joy. It was always translated as joy, but then I like I learned on that retreat that it's that it's joy at the success of others specifically, mm. like totally like compersion. Right. And yeah. the way that one of the nuns put it was, she's like, "This is the easiest one for me to cultivate because it's like it's like happiness for free. Basically, it's like I get to celebrate somebody's success, and I didn't even have to put in any work towards it. <laughs> That's really you know? cool. And like that was a totally different way of thinking of it. I was like, wow, like I didn't think about that as like, oh wow, I get this free thing to celebrate that I didn't even have to work for. Yeah, yeah. You know? that is really interesting, right? Yeah, because jealousy of our partners isn't limited to just romantic and sexual yeah, things. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. Um, you know, it, it can definitely come up in, you know, job-related stuff. Um, mm-hmm. If, you know, especially if one person is having a lot more success than the other. Um, even as it relates to, you know, our topic of wanting things that you don't want, mm-hmm. your partner could have some success that's not even something you've been wanting or striving for, but can still feel jealousy about that. But knowing that there is this mudita mm-hmm. or compersion uh, could, you know, could be a useful thing, even just knowing like, hey, you know what, maybe I could just switch my mindset about this. This doesn't have to yeah. be a negative thing. And I wonder actually if, you know, because this breaks down, like Dedeker was saying, the specific things people do when they, you know, positively affirm someone's achievements, like asking them questions, kind of reliving it with them, asking them to kind of retell the story, um, you know, congratulating them on it. I would be curious to see if you're having trouble feeling compersion, whether it's for their, you know, other romantic things or just for their life in general, uh, to just go through those motions. Yeah. Of yeah. just doing those things. Be like, oh, you know, tell me about it. Let's relive the story mm-hmm. together instead of kind of shutting down and pushing it away. I would yeah. bet, based on my experience with similar things, I would bet that would actually make you feel a lot more compersion than you mm-hmm. did before. Yeah, and also not make it be this thing outside of yourself that you're like, oh, shit, what is it? I'm scared about it because uh, it's fear of the unknown. 
yeah. and you actually get to experience it with the person and then be like oh that wasn't as you know scary as I thought it would be yeah, yeah totally, totally. Did we just say right. totally at the same time? We did say God, totally. We're totally. Yeah. No, see, you guys do that all the time. Uh, well, okay. I, I think we're going to talk about that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on AdamMail.com and Eve'sToys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI, to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. So the next part of this infographic was sharing an experience together, which makes sense. I mean, yeah, you can... It says couples who have new experiences report feeling more loving and supportive towards one another and more satisfied in their relationship. Well, I do so think there's a lot. interesting that it's new experiences. Mm-hmm. It's not just kind of well, like, oh, well, we watched this show together... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe that could be a new thing, but it's kind of doing new stuff together. I think that's Yeah, like important. they're creating new memories together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then I think that that, yeah, that can, you can call back to those memories later on in your relationship. Remember that time when we did this? Remember that time we watched <laughs> that show together? together? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it Remember doesn't have to be anything crazy or far-reaching, you know? They talk about things like just going on an evening walk together, um, going to a new restaurant that opened up, exploring some kind of new place that could be a far-off exotic land, or it could be just... Just like a new part of town that you haven't explored yet. It means cooking together, going to a concert, like all really, really simple things. But if you're continually investing in creating those memories together, then Hmm. that helps you in the long run. Something that Dedeker and I have been doing for a while now is going on walks together. That's something Mm, that we've realized recently, just in the past few months, was something that we started doing because we were dog sitting. And so we Mm, had to get up every morning to walk the dogs and found that we just really enjoyed that time. So we've kept doing it even when we're not dog sitting. And the funny thing is that if... if 
I just read this or someone just told me like, yeah, try going on a walk with your partner and be like, whatever, like silly. <laughs> but it's actually been like really nice just to have mm-hmm. like that little bit of time every day, like where I don't have my phone on me. I'm not like trying to work on something. I'm not trying to cook. Like I'm not distracted by anything else. Like we're just walking and like just. Right. And that you're not in the house. So there's no like chores looming. Yeah. None of that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I used to do that with like my high school boyfriends Aww. going to walk around, around, and that was super fun. But Aww. but yeah, something uh, Josh and I have started doing is um, every single Saturday we like take an entire day to like have an adventure, and that can be mm-hmm. to go yeah on a hike together, or I think we're gonna go have high tea at the Peninsula Hotel Ooh, sometime, nice. which will be super fancy. But it's not always that fancy. It was going to see <laughs> Wonder Woman and going out to dinner last week and you know just any anything kind of fun and new um but again just sharing an experience and like carving out that really special time to be with someone and to do something cool it reminds me a little bit of the advice that i feel like i hear so often whether it's monogamous or not is just the importance of scheduling dates with a longer term Mm. partner yeah totally absolutely and i think it falls into the same thing it's because you're intentionally making time to have experiences together yeah uh and i just what i do think is interesting about this though that kind of adds another level to that is the importance of those experiences being new that you Mm -hmm. might get a little more value out of not always doing the same thing even though i do love those like brooke and i always get sushi together at like one of two places that's like our tradition uh but also doing new things together is you know to kind of find a balance of those like having your routines and also new things i Mm -hmm. think would be how to get like kind of the most bang for your buck out Mm -hmm. of those date times yeah yeah and i think it colors the whole week in a lot of ways too like if you if you set aside some time it like kind of makes the whole week special in a different way than maybe it would be if you were just doing the whole thing or the same thing over and over again. Mm, yeah. 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 And while you're on these dates, you may find that you end up <laughs> laughing about some things, which leads us to <laughs> oh, our God. next point. Uh, and that is having shared laughter is the term they use here, which essentially means having kind of inside jokes or having like oh god remember how we just died yeah, laughing say, at so whatever. the specifics is that there was a study where couples who were asked to recall a moment that involved shared laughter mm-hmm. reported being more satisfied in their relationship than people who were just prompted to recall a positive moment I see that it was specifically yeah, so it's specifically about like remember that's, this time that we yeah, cracked up cool. over whatever right. and so I mean I think obviously this is setting the stage for like having inside jokes seems to be like a good thing in well, a relationship thing. it's like an inside joke is essentially like a short coded way of saying hey remember that time when we thought this was hilarious together uh-huh. right I mean that's essentially what an yeah. inside joke is, yeah, yeah. is it's now a reference to a thing that was a joke at one point that mm-hmm. made us laugh yeah, I think the three of us do that pretty frequently. I know the two of you do, but <laughs> I've had yeah, I've had a lot of inside jokes with Jace over the years, and mm-hmm. I think the three of us have our own. It's cool. Yeah, well, we were just before we recorded this episode, Emily and I were talking about this like robot dance that we would do to this one part <laughs> of one song specifically yeah. when it would come on, <laughs> right? Stuff like that, where it's just like even right now, just mentioning it, it made us all giggle a little bit because but, this is this shared laughter that we've had many yeah. times. But of what just I like about randomly breaking that, out though, into this dance of you guys sharing that is the fact that that happened at a time when you guys were still in like a romantic sexual relationship. Mm, true, but true. it's yeah. like even though your relationship has changed that that's still a thing that you can positively recall and that it still helps bolster your relationship i think is a huge thing to point out right yeah yeah. absolutely yeah Yeah. 
Uh, okay. That's awesome. Shall all right, we? going into one sadder part of all this. Oh, right. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It doesn't have to be it sad. It's actually it's not. Sad. It, uh, so, yeah, so they studied people's fighting styles. I'm like, a fan of Tiger Crane style myself. I was just going to make the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> See, there it is. There it is. Remember Case the time, in point. Remember the time we cracked up about, about Kung Fu, Kung Fu fighting styles? styles. Oh my god. Uh, um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to all the listeners, this is what I deal with on a daily basis with these two. No, it's good. We all have our, our little things. Oh, uh, just have a lot. Um, this, this was something that I hit on in my book as well, is that I think it's so important as an individual for you to have the willingness to examine what your fighting style is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because everyone has one. Trust me, you have one. If you think that you don't have particular behaviors or patterns that you fall back on when you argue with somebody go like ask your parents and your siblings and your former partners (laughs) if you don't think that you have patterns trust me they will educate you on what your fighting style is um jeez what's my fighting style oh dear oh jeez let's not get let's not let's not do this right now oh damn it i was really interested to know all right we'll do it later (laughs) well um but i think it's so important to be able to know that about yourself and to be able to recognize what are the more unhealthy things that I do so that you can work on changing them. Well, and I do think that a lot of this we do learn somewhere. I think that this isn't like an inherent thing. I do think it's something that we can change about ourselves. I've definitely changed a lot of my fighting styles and things, like the ways that I deal with conflict. Yeah, there are so Um, many things that I know I picked up from my parents, from the adults that were around me. A lot of it we pick up from our parents. I think we also pick up a lot of it from TV shows, especially if if we watch a lot of kind of family relationship-based shows and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I think sitcoms are some of the worst culprits of this because... They're all dicks to each other. Yeah, because for dramatic tension, you need to need that. And that it's not like in a drama or in a lot of movies where you you see these like bad conflict styles that then that relationship ends up not being the one they stay in. But in sitcoms, that's like it's about a family, right? Mm -hmm. And this is they're married and every episode is about them and they're funny and they're likable. But they do these really terrible ways of dealing with conflict or these really... Mm -hmm not so good things when they fight because people relate to it yeah. but it teaches us that that's normal and mm, that, that yeah. and tricks us into thinking it's healthy yeah uh, which yeah. i think is the problem yeah. um, so in these studies they found that unhappy couples will do things like criticize each other show contempt for each other roll their eyes at each other call each other names get defensive or just like completely tune out and stonewall just Mm -hmm. like I'm not listening to you like no you don't know what you're talking about that sort of stuff for those of you that are familiar with the Gottman Institute Mm -hmm. um, and they're a research institute that has studied relationships for years and years and years unfortunately they most they still mostly focus on like married couples monogamously married couples so most of their data is based on that Um, however it's gotten to a point where it's something ridiculous where like they can watch a couple for like six minutes and be able to predict with 90% accuracy whether they're going to stay together another two or three years, something yeah, I like that. Exactly it's, the numbers. It's but. crazy, and and they're the ones who came up with this idea of the the quote unquote four horsemen of the apocalypse in relationships, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. are these behaviors. It's criticizing, showing contempt, um, getting defensive slash blaming, um, or yeah. stonewalling. You know, or yeah. you know, tuning somebody out. That they found that in relationships where these behaviors came up again and again, like chances are the relationship was not going to last. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that these are really 
serious problems. Yeah, in our and we should. I mean, mm-hmm. we do want to do an episode specifically on conflict, where mm-hmm. we probably cover yeah. these things more in depth. But, yeah. but we won't get to that here. Let's talk about the things that happy couples do when they fight, or yeah, when so, they're trying to resolve conflict. Well, and I found this interesting, and I was like, oh yeah, this this makes sense that you you use humor to dissolve tension, mm-hmm. um, express affection. Or concede on certain points that their partner makes, which I think that's a really, really good one to be able to like be fair to the other person in the middle of the fight and say like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. Like that's a good point right there, and yeah. to not just continue to get defensive over and over and over again. No, that's regarding so huge a certain topic. because I think um, I feel like we're so socialized to think that like essentially if I concede on any point, that means I'm saying like you win. And I exactly. lose. Like, like I'm we're not so, win. you know. So I think that's why it's often so hard for us to, because maybe your partner does make a valid point, mm-hmm. but because we're in this kind of like me versus you mentality, mm-hmm. that it's really hard to be able to be like, okay, yeah, you got that point, but like, let me still talk about these other points. You know, that it's more of this give and take rather than a battle, I guess. Well, yeah. and I think that that part of that comes from the whole idea of thinking about it as a competition or about mm-hmm. something where one person wins and one person loses. And that is how we're taught to think about things, unfortunately. You know, in, in our, like, speech classes and debate classes, it's also presented in that sort of way. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's the way we see political pundits. Yeah. And, like, everyone, it's this very combative thing. But if you think about it in a relationship... I think a different way of framing having those sorts of of arguments or discussions is that we're both working together to try to come up with a solution to this. Mm-hmm. That it's not about who's right or wrong, but like, okay, let's not worry about being right or wrong and instead try to come up with a solution that's going to work, that's going to yeah, make it's... us happy, that's going to resolve this situation. Yeah. So then you don't, like, neither person even has to necessarily concede completely that mm-hmm. like oh you're right about all these things it becomes more about hey we're going to solve a problem together yeah, and there's still going to be tension yeah. in that but that it's not but about it's winning collaborative and it's collaborative instead of combative yeah it's this yeah. it's this us versus the problem rather than me versus you yes. and yeah that's some, great. i found that sometimes an argument has to start out it doesn't have to but it can start out with a little bit of me versus you mm-hmm. but then once it clicks into that us versus the problem at least in my personal experience, it de-escalates so quickly after that. Um, I wanted to talk about, before we move on from this category, uh, here where it talks about how people in happy relationships will use humor to dissolve tension, it reminded me of a story that you told me, Jace, about your family growing up, about the Gurr thing. Can you talk about that? (laughs) That's what it reminds me of. So I guess this was around the time that I was in high school, but... um, Basically, somehow, and I don't even remember how this got started, but something that myself and my mom and a little bit my brother all picked up was saying grr, like, you know, like a growl, like the sound of a growl, grr, to mean like that I'm mad at you or I'm upset with you. It's And so instead of being like, God, I'm so mad at you right now, it was like, I'm gurring at you right now. Meaning like, I'm not happy with what you're doing. But because it was just this little bit silly it like didn't escalate things you know it kind of was like okay yeah i understand like i I don't know it was just this silly goofy little thing but yeah i was telling dedeker about that how just saying this like i'm gurring at you right now or like oh this makes me gur was this kind of 
cute way of still expressing like, hey, I'm not happy about this thing, but kind of, I don't know, in a way that didn't have to be so high stakes. Like it added this just like little touch of humor to it. Um, that yeah. made it easier to talk about things. I feel like we've picked up on punch, punch, punch a little bit. Right, when from, we're frustrated. The, from the Jet Jaga theme song. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, wait, no, I guess Listo is a little bit different. Oh, but... yeah, Listo's a little bit different. Yeah. We'll get to that one in another episode. Yeah. Teaser, that's a teaser. That's a teaser. Something. Yeah. Listo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. Are we bringing this bad boy home? Let's, Let's bring it do home. it. So the Michelangelo effect which is becoming your ideal self because of your partner. And it says couples in the happiest relationships bring out the best in each other. They help each other to get closer to becoming their ideal selves, which is interesting. Yeah. So what's yeah. cool about this one, you can look up the source for this. Yeah, we actually went to the original like, academic article. Right. That mm-hmm. the whole study is available for free, which is nice. You don't yeah. have to you know, have an account to to one of the many super expensive research journal sites out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this one, you can actually read the results of the whole study if you want to get super academic on it. But essentially, the takeaway from it is that there's two parts. The first part is that your partner is affirming of you. So basically, that you're getting positive feedback. It's not like your partner's criticizing you, saying, hey, you need to get better. They're saying, you're great, right? They're affirming you. And to get real specific, it's that you perceive that they are affirming you. So it's mm. more about how it's received than about necessarily what's given. That makes sense, though. But to simplify it, that your partner is affirming you. And then the second part is that you choose to then move toward your goals, like mm. toward who you want to be, rather than away from it. Right? So these are two two separate things kind of coming from both sides of the relationship. But if both of those things are in place, which is essentially a desire for self-improvement and also getting positive affirmation about yourself from your partner, that those couples will be the happiest. Hmm. I thought that was kind of a cool, like, hey, look, we're all going to lift each other up here together by being positive and not by being each other's critics or each other's, you know, boot camp Sergeant, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I feel like some people do want in a relationship. They want their partner to be the person that is telling them, like, whether or not they're doing okay, or they want them to be the person that's, like, constantly, you know, changing them or something. But Mm -hmm. I would argue that other relationships in your life should do that, not necessarily the person who you're in a romantic relationship with. Yeah. yeah, that's something that I came across that advice a long time ago, not about mm-hmm. non-monogamy at all, before I was really learning much about non-monogamy, was just this idea that your romantic and sexual partner should not also be the person who is your personal trainer, who is your policeman, yeah. who is your accountability buddy, <laughs> all of those things, because those involve a little bit of tough love mm. that is going to work at odds with having this more relaxing, romantic, and sexual relationship together. Um, So kind of the importance of having a good friend group or a good support group, whether that's an actual support group support group, like some kind of a small, uh, you know, support group, like Dedeker did one through Mm -hmm. Landmark once that was really helpful in getting your book going. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, people recommend men's groups or women's groups, um, or it could be an online group like our patron community on Mm -hmm. Facebook or our video Mm -hmm. discussion groups or even just your local poly discussion group, but finding people there 
to do those things, to help you be accountable, to help you be someone to answer to about doing the things you want to do and being the person you want to be so that you're not trying to put all of that burden onto someone that you also then want to enjoy kissing and having sex with. (laughs) Yeah, because you don't want to look shitty in your partner's eyes or feel like you do. Yeah. Or are any of those things. It's, it's, it's hard for us to compartmentalize that, mm-hmm. I think. I think that's yeah, why. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I think if we right. if we had brains that could perfectly compartmentalize, like, okay, here, now I'm, like, sexy lover mode, here I'm, like, caregiver mode, and here I'm, like, personal trainer mode, and, like, right. none of it bleeds into the other, that'd be great. But since our brains don't work that way, mm-hmm. it's important for us to kind of keep those things separate as yeah. much We're as not possible a on our own. Or yeah. a Cylon. And that as humans, we're meant to be in social groups. We're not meant to just pair bond and live off in yurts together. Yeah. Like, that's not <laughs> something humans have historically done. It's not something most primates do, right? Yeah. We're meant to be in tribes and Only in gibbons. Only gibbons do only it. Only gibbons do it. The only monogamous primates, and they just go off as a couple and live together, not around any and other Not around anybody primates, else. Yeah. Right? Weirdos. That's very different from what we do <laughs> and what all the other primates do. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Thank you all so much. I loved this stuff. Yeah, I loved me too. Stits and stats and talking about it all. And happy relationships. Thanks again, man. Josh. Yes. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to when we can finally start the Multi-Amory Research Institute. And God, start- it would be great. Yeah, right. if someday we can make like the non-monogamous alternative relationship no, version like, of this infographic would be no awesome. No joke. Very seriously, my dream. Maybe this will be one of our later Patreon goals. Of creating a yeah, research guys. institute? Yeah. It's pretty yeah. far Keep reaching, it coming. But- <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, speaking of Patreon, that's one of the places that you can find out more about us and you can help support this show. Uh, when we hit our goal of $1,500 a month, we're going to start offering transcripts. We're actually going to be able to hire people to do transcripts of I'm all of our episodes. I'm super excited for finally yes. having that. It should be great. I've definitely had a lot of people request this. Yeah, and it's so just... High so logistically it's complicated. So, yeah, it's very time consuming. But we finally decided it would be worth prioritizing yeah. that money toward it. Mm-hmm. Um, so spread the word. If you haven't supported us yet on Patreon and you feel like you'd get something out of this show and out of that, then please support us and help us hit that goal so we can have transcripts of our episodes. Yay! Yay! If you want to find more of us, you can find that uh, at multiamory.com or on Facebook at multiamory. Also, we're on Twitter and Instagram and all those other places if you just search for multiamory. You can also email us at info at multiamory.com or if you want to leave us a voicemail with any of your questions, comments, things like that, you can call 678-MULTI-05. Or you can leave us a voice message through Facebook Messenger if you are international or don't have a phone. (laughs) Okay. Who are you? Who are you? How are you listening to us? Okay. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Sotelo-Matlack, Jace Lindgren, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.